guys, welcome back to Talk Tennis Tea. I hope you've enjoyed the Australian Open. I certainly have. This year it was pretty eventful, a lot happened, but I'm here to break down everything that happened. The winners, the losers, the tragic matches, the best matches of the tournament, and some of the drama that was happening behind the scenes. So grab your cuppers, grab a snack, and let's get into this tea. So, as we all know, there were multiple lead-up tournaments before the Australian Open. We had the ATP Cup for the, on the men's side when Nadal did not play, and Team Russia ended up winning the whole tournament, so congratulations to them. There were the two Melbourne tournaments done by the ATP, and then the two WTA 500s, which were for the women's. In those, we saw most of the most players play, but there were a lot of withdrawals due to the five-day lockdown that happened at the end and some of the isolating that needed to happen as well as we go back. So, as I mentioned before, there was a hotel worker who tested positive on day five, which meant all the players in that particular hotel had to isolate and quarantine and get tested again and play was suspended um, for one day as there were 500 to 600 close contacts being investigated and being looked after for that. After that one day, everyone went back to play and things were normal again. So it didn't seem too bad. And then the Australian Open started and that is where our, the tea begins. So let's start with the winners. Starting with Dylan Olcott won the quad wheelchair. This is his 13th slam, which is an amazing. At the moment, he sits as one of the best Australian tennis players. None of the other men's, women's players have done this. Most of them have slams, but not 13. So it's pretty good feat for him, and he did amazing to get that far. Men's doubles was won by Dodgig and Polisek. Mixed doubles was Ram and Kretschikova. Women's doubles was Sablinka and Mertens. Women's wheelchair was De Groot. Men's wheelchair was Gerard. Men's singles was Novak Djokovic. And women's singles was won by Naomi Osaka. We'll get into those two matches later. But let's start on the men's side. <laughs> All the drama that happened there. So, where to begin? There was a lot. On the first day, we saw a very emotional Monfils. Gael Monfils lost his match and his slump, his losing streak continues to rampage. He got very emotional in his uh, press conference at the end of the match where he was asked about a lot of questions and you could obviously see that he was not in the best state. There was a lot going on with it and some reporters um, were being a bit, they were being sensitive to the situation but then later on we saw that reporters who were interviewing Dimitrov, Nishikori, Ranich and Chelich were asking questions of that gang why 
are you still playing? Why are you still going on when none of you have really got Grand Slams? None of you have really surpassed the next gen who are coming up behind them and also they haven't been able to surpass the big three. So it was kind of a very emotional situation but also insensitive. Some of the reporters like Dimitrov had an amazing run. He got to the semi-finals or he got to the quarterfinals where he eventually lost. However, it was still an amazing run for him considering all that he's been through and he's been trying to get back since he won at the ATP World Tour Finals a few years ago in London. But for people to ask why are these players still playing and still getting beaten, it's the love of the game. Everyone loves to play. They all have their reasons for playing. Yes, it's a job at the end of the day. This is their 9 to 5 or whatever. However, they love to play and it's kind of sad to see those. And some of these guys are your like our favourites. Like, big fan of Dimitrov, Nishikori, Rayanich, Chilich, Monfils. So they're all great players. Songer, you know, we can all add them to that list of people. But it's really upsetting to see them when they lose and, you know, their slumps continue. So hopefully Monfils is okay. And he's getting better. We obviously know that he posted a statement about it at the end, um, saying to the fans that he basically appreciated them for all his love and support. And also there was another statement put out at the end of the tournament where him and his girlfriend, or former girlfriend, Elena Svedlina, they're taking a break. And that was really sad. So there's no more Jen's life, as we know, at the moment. However, they could come back and get back together. But fingers crossed. But... That was really upsetting and sad for them, but obviously both of them need to work on some things and uh, speculation, it's hard to work on yourself and your game. We saw that happen with Dominic Team and Kiki Milinovic, where she, as soon as they were in a relationship, her tennis slumped, not saying that this is what's happening with Morfis and Svelina. However, it's a pretty statistical, if we put it up and we put it side by side it's a very coincidental situation but anyway that's not my business let's move on to some more tea so in the first round matches we saw a lot of players be matched up with some great people one of the matches that was a highlight for me in those early rounds was Denis Shapovalov versus Yannick Sinner this was a round one match it was a five-set thriller where Denis came out on top but he came back and he won it there was a bathroom scandal and it was it was a lot but you also feel for Yannick as he did amazing in those two first two five sets he I mean the first two sets of the match he was playing on fire and then Dennis just showed his experience and just took it all out in the end but we have to hand it to Yannick because he won a title at the beginning of the year and literally just a few days before at one of the Melbourne tournaments. So it's kind of upsetting for him to lose in such early rounds. But then you just see the talent of these guys that are coming up. And it's absolutely insane. Like they are doing extinct, like so well to be able to do what they do. The other match that was also eventful, I would have to say, was Tinny Sandigan versus Alex Dimonor. I thought this one was going to be like a tough round one Five, another five-set thriller. Nope. Alex took light work of Mr. Sandigran and demolished 
as Alex does, he even accidentally hit tennis with a ball and on Twitter that was viral for a few days, which was pretty funny, I have to admit, seeing him, but seeing that happen, however, it was an interesting match, Alex completely dominated, he didn't get very far, but he still did well. And then obviously the big topic of the first round matches was Thanasi Kokonakis who hadn't played a match like a Grand Slam level match since 2019 he won in straight sets and as we all know I am one of the biggest fans of Thanasi Kokonakis since 2014 when he played in the Dallin Rod Laver Arena that is the history we go back to but Seeing Thanasi play this match was very emotional for all of us, even for him. He got emotional when he won. Um, there was a bit of, I wouldn't say controversy, Thanasi is not sponsored. He used to be sponsored by Nike. There was, uh, in the off-season, we alleged that he could be getting a sponsorship by New Balance, but that fell through. And now he's wearing Kmart, so we'll see how that goes. But... Um, yeah, he confirmed his kit was from Kmart, and it was a very nice kit, considering some of the other kits we saw. He had a pretty nice all-black swanky kit, and then we saw on Rod Laver Arena when he played Tsitsipas, he had a good kit as well. Fast-forwarding to that match, he, Thanasi versus Tsitsipas, um, I mean Kokonakis versus Tsitsipas, that is probably one of the best matches of the slam. There, This year, I feel like there were a lot of great matches in the Australian Open there were so many everyone was just giving it giving it 110% because you don't know what's going to happen we could end up in quarantine again we could end up in another lockdown everyone's shut down there's no more tennis and what are we going to do we can't watch you can't watch boring matches forever so this was one of those matches where it was so good it was a five set pure grit and determination I've written in my notes from both players Stefanos just overpowering Thanasi with experience and power, hitting, getting like getting him through, but it was very close. It was very, very close. I don't think I've been so stressed out watching a match in my life. No, I lie. There was when Sitsipas played Roger Federer and he that got him into the quarterfinals of the Australian Open when Sitsipas made his big run. I would stress that match. But this, Tsitsipas has done amazingly and we'll get on to his match with Rafa Nadal because that was insane later on. But we'll get back to some of the other five-set thrillers. Um, Wawinka versus Fuchkus, the Hungarian. Why, that match was so good. Another five-set thriller. Stan looked like he was sick and out. He looked he looked like he wasn't there. The score was 7-5, 6-1, 4-6, 2-6, 7-6. It was one of the most intense matches. And you, I was just at the edge of my seat the entire time. The balls that they were hitting, the way Fuchs was moving, he did so well. And then for him to play Rayanich the next round and take it to like a, another close match again was so good. Fuchs played four hours in the first round and he looked like he was started to be tired but he came back and saved three match points to win that match in the end so he did exceptionally well and you have to hand it up to the both of them because that was one of the 
another one of the best matches of the tournament. The next one I'm going to talk about is Kyrgios versus Team. I should say the crowd versus Team because let's all... We all know the crowd, the Australian crowd on John Kane Arena is just absolutely insane. There was, I saw a photo of an edited photo of John Kane Arena being called Kyrgios Arena or Nick Kyrgios Arena and that made me laugh but honestly if Nick wins a Grand Slam or he does great things in tennis he could, he'd have a stadium named after him. That stadium could, would easily be called Kyrgios Arena so I wouldn't be surprised in the end of the day. However, Team versus Kyrgios was another amazing one. When Team was losing in the first few sets, I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. This is, this is not good. I'm a fan of both of them. And again, it was a really tough one to mat, to watch. But I was very impressed with Kyrgios. Because he actually delivered and he played like he wanted to win. Like he played like he wanted to win. Which is awesome. I will never forgive him for making Team tired though. Even though Team would never admit it. His loss to Dimitrov was just... 6-4, love Straight three threats. And I thought that was going to be another tough match. But I guess he was tired. And he said in his on-court interview, like, there is an injury, but he doesn't want to blame it on that. Or even that previous match before, like, it has nothing to do with that. He just didn't turn up on the day. And you can say that's fair. And team is always gracious in losing. And he's not going to take away from someone who played amazing tennis. And that, like I said, Dimitrov played amazing tennis this tournament. He flew under the radar. I thought he was going to get very far. But then, Aslan Karatsev, our story of the tournament, I reckon, he... If there was like a runner-up prize or like an honorary Grand Slam award, it would be him. His first Grand Slam tournament and he gets into the semi-finals. What? That is absolutely crazy. He was on the winning team. He was on the Russian ATP Cup team. So he would have practiced with Medvedev, Rublev and all those other guys. And he did amazing. Obviously, you guys are probably sick to death of hearing his story and all the commentators were just like talking about it, how he came from qualifying last year, how he went to America and he played without his coach and went through a round of challenges and he played against Daniel Winker and he lost. There was just a whole lot of stuff that he did but he played amazingly and so he came from qualifiers in Doha. He bet, the win I started noticing was when he bet Schwartzman in three sets. Then went and bet Felix in five sets. And then he played Dimitrov and bet Dimitrov, but Dimitrov was injured. He had a back spasm and he just he just did not look like he was there. And then from playing Dimitrov, he went and played Djokovic in the semi-final. Like, he put a test to Djokovic. Like, he obviously didn't win the match against Djoko, but he definitely made Djokovic work for that win. So, yeah, that was very... He did amazingly well, and if if Grand Slams could give honorary awards, he deserves to get one by far. Moving on to the next.
next one. I'm not going to talk about Djokovic's uh, muscle tear scandal because it's none of my business. Um, and not really a fan. That's not what you guys come here for. You guys come for the real tea. And the real tea is Zverev. Zverev was very... He lets... I want to hand it to him. This is not me forgetting that he has some serious issues outside of tennis um, to deal with. But we had to talk about tennis and the game and what happened at the Australian Open. And, you know, reporting on a fair front. So, he lost, He his tournament ended um, when he lost to Djokovic in the quarters, and um, that match was really hard to watch. I stayed and watched three set, three out of the four sets that happened in that match, and it was very difficult to watch. He, he could have won that match, easily. He played Djokovic at the ATP Cup and lost in two, but it was... It was really, this this Australian Open match hurt a little bit more because he had, he could have won it. So he lost to an injured Djokovic. I don't know what he, hap- what happened, but Sasha choked. At the end of the day, Zverev choked. He was up for one, for love, and I watched his press conference at the end of that match and I was just like, you ha- he knew he had it in the bag. Two times he was up for love for one. Five, f- you know? He had it in the bag and it was so like, what are you doing? The constant double faulting, blowing the leads, maybe, I don't know. You know, and it couldn't, like I was thinking about it when I was writing my notes for this. I was like, what could it be? What would make him choke like that and we all know his various problems with his second serve that's obvious like until he gets that but then it's also the fact that you know he has some off court drama that needs to be sorted out that's a given but he doesn't have a proper coach he's gone back to full family affairs I've said in the previous podcast his you know his brother is working with him at the moment managing he's doing Eurosport stuff and then his dad is back in the coaching realm David Ferrer is not coaching him anymore they split part of parted ways at the end of last season so you know and I just don't know what's going on in that camp he gives me very curious vibes how he can't hold down a coach that kind of situation like he doesn't listen and I know that's not the like I know it's not the case and he wants to be great like he has the potential to be great I just think he needs to do a complete cleanse and come clean whilst I think it was maybe a few days after this or maybe after his match or before his match um his baby mama Brenda Peter who is a gorgeous German model came out on Instagram and people asking him like you know how's Sasha doing how is he are you guys in contact is he looking forward to the baby because she announced that they're having a baby girl well she's having a baby girl and um she was like no we don't talk he literally doesn't contact me he doesn't ask anything like he doesn't want to be a part of this child's life 
and it was very shocking because in interviews he'd be like oh yeah I keep in contact with them blah 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 like full-on lying to the media and she came out clean and did it and from after those statements everyone on Twitter goes crazy as we tennis Twitter does but everyone on Twitter went crazy and he stopped following her and he just kind of like went radio silence because he was caught out on his lies like it was a very dumb thing to lie about because someone can actually say something about it and call you out on it so he needs to cleanse he needs to come clean on how he actually wants nothing to do with his potential child or maybe that he doesn't he wants something to do with them but he doesn't know what to do he's very focused on his life his dogs his family like it's all about him and there was a theory being like are these tennis players more narcissistic and very self-minded because of the fact that they grew up sheltered and closed and everything about them playing tennis is about making sure that they know what to do and they are priority number one to get to the top and it could be but I think he needs to sort out he needs to sort it out he needs to figure out if he wants to be a dad he needs to apologize and come clean on what actually happened with his ex-girlfriend because that is still up in the air nobody knows like nobody knows no one has said anything and I bet you if you ask his best friend Marcelo Mello he would not that he would sing but like if you're his best friend you would know and I've said this multiple multiple times everyone knows what happens they it is you know you can't hide that stuff and his family is overprotecting him and shielding him and they need to stop he needs to be hit with some serious reality checks because I don't know what's up with him he had coaching from Ivan Lindell who was an amazing coach and obviously the seriousness of that situation I think I reported on this in a few other episodes there was some tension between um Sasha's best friend Marcelo who we see constantly in the box who travels with them quite a lot goes on vacation with his family quite a lot and there was some tension between Marcelo and that about seriousness and taking practice quite seriously and even after he split not even like a season or so so there's some serious tension there but who knows who knows anyway that's that's that T but yeah he choked and he he had the potential to be great he could have won that match and we would have had a different final but anyway Tsitsipas semi with Medvedev Tsitsipas lost in three sets it was pretty upsetting after his awesome five set comeback when Nadal uh, Nadal that like that was Nadal had cruised through no implications and he gets to Tsitsipas and Tsitsipas really like Tsitsipas really tried and did his absolute best to win the match and he came out on top and it was amazing to see but it's just like oh you don't want either one to lose and Med played amazingly against the Tsipas very clinical keeping it to three sets and then the final was genuinely disappointing I watched it and I was just like this is this is not what I was expecting Medvedev mentally he wasn't there there like there was a crowd protest something to do with indigenous people of Australia and that was way more interesting than the match to be honest I have to admit though some of the rallies were absolutely insane the Jocko smash if that's what it's called was in full force and 
was really like it was like they he played well. Like we have to hand it to him. Injury or no injury it was he played well and you know Djokovic ended up with his ninth slam and he's coaching closer to reach Nadal and Roger on their twenty slams. So yeah, and that's it from the men's side. There was a lot of drama and still ongoing drama but anyway let's move on to the women's the great women's game and i feel like the women's side is very unpredictable at the moment the wta is so insane so insane you never know who's really gonna win because the rankings don't really matter everyone just plays amazingly so yeah so when I was watching Serena first round matches Serena and Venus got through smoothly and it was actually nice to see Venus getting through smoothly even though the next match she had it really rough but it was so good to see her doing well and enjoying the game um the shocks of the first rounds were Angelique Kerber lost, Flynn Stevens, and Azarenka. I'm like Angie and Victoria Azarenka. I don't really know what happened there, or maybe it was quarantine. Who knows? They're not like both. I wouldn't say both. Victoria Azarenka put out a statement saying, you know, she's not blaming it on quarantine. She's thankful for the fans for the support. Um. But yeah, you don't really know what's going on there. And in Salon, we all know that she's had the toughest few months. So, as as a fan, I'm not even like... She'll come back stronger and better and hopefully can come back to her winning ways. She is a Grand Slam champion. She has the US Open, so she can do it. So, yeah. Uh, as a ranker, took... In her match, there was some medical timeouts that happened. Um, it looked like she had heat stroke. She came back, and but she lost to Pagula, who we know played in the semi-finals, which was actually quite cool. Like before that match, I didn't even know who Pagula was, so that was pretty good. At least she made her win like more memorable. You don't want your fave to lose, and then the next the person that they lost to doesn't get anywhere. So that's cool. Barty in her first round match is very clinical. Six love, six love win. And 45 minutes plus or minus. Um, she ended up losing as well later on in the tournament. But again, killer, killer performance by her. And I feel like she has such high expectations. And when you play in Australia, obviously being the Australian number one and she is the world number one there's just the expectation that she has to be great and she needs to win it for Australia so maybe she had those on her shoulders but we don't know but yeah now the queen Suwei has she she played amazingly she ended up in the quarters where she played Naomi and that was insane but let's backtrack a little bit she bet Bianca Andreescu in a very tight three set match which was insane but Suwe was completely dominant 
moved into the third round. Then she went on and played a few other people and then we got to see her play Naomi, which was so good. And that was a great match to get Naomi into the semifinals. So she played amazingly. Let's, she did well and she gave us some of the funniest encore interviews and it was so good. She is amazing and we love her so much. And you just wish her the best for her. Like she could definitely win a Grand Slam and she causes havoc and she did cause havoc. She gave us some amazing tennis and it was great to see. On the women's side, one of my favourite, favourite matches by far of the tournament was Halep versus Tomlanovic. Uh, that was great. 6-4, 6-4, 7-5 going Halep's way, but Tomlanovic played amazingly. She could have won that match. And it would have changed up the whole game. But it was so good. Like, Halep was off her rhythm. She was, wasn't was taking risks. But she had the experience. She had the champion's knowledge to pull her back and rail her back in. Whereas Tomlanovic was taking risks. Was, you know, going for all the shots. And she was hitting some clean-ass winners. And it was, it was such a good match to see. It was amazing. So I have to hand it to her. And she's been playing amazingly. Like it's not going to be long till she's at the top end of tournaments winning slams and winning major titles. So looking forward to seeing that. Muguruza versus Osaka. Another three set. Muguruza Gabine was playing so well. So well. Leading into the slam and also in the earlier rounds of the slam it's just really, I just don't like when my favourite meets each other and it's not in the final. Like, Muguruza was robbed last year. Um, last year, she was robbed last year. But, and this year, I feel like it again. But she did well and she's been killing it and I hope she keeps up this fire. And we'll definitely see her in the finals of more slams, I reckon. Then we have Serena versus Sablenka, another three set. Insane match Sablenka did so well she won a title in Dubai before coming to Australia and she was killing it and in the previous rounds but she came so close to winning Serena was slightly off in that game but Serena with the experience of a champion and just knowing what to do to get out of a funk pulled it together then Naomi versus Serena semi-final that was a tough one to watch Serena lost in two but Serena had the wins she had the advantages she was up first but she just couldn't hold and couldn't secure it but it was good obviously we saw her very emotional press conference afterwards where she was asked by some dumb reporters I reporters if you were listening stop asking players when they are going to retire they will retire when they want to retire it is none of your business to ask people when they retire like why are you asking someone when they will retire so dumb and just uh but Serena played amazingly and I don't think we'll see Serena retiring anytime soon hopefully fingers crossed touch on wood but it's just it's a lot and you know she was very close to 24 that was a semi-final match and it was great and then we saw Machova versus Brady which was another good match there was um, a bit of controversy when Ash Barty lost to Carolina Machova over three sets. Ash had that match in the bag. 
Let, let's not lie. Ash had the match in the bag. A medical timeout happened. For dizziness, another heat stroke moment with Carolina Machova. But she played amazingly. We have to give it up for that. And, you know, Ash just couldn't deliver at the end of the day. So that was quite sad on that front. And then the final, which was Naomi just did well. Naomi dominated winning in straight sets. And there was a little bit of a jab. We don't know if it was a jab at Jenny or Jennifer. But, um, you know, it was pretty interesting. Off-court drama on the women's side, there wasn't much. Not that I know of. However, um, Serena's husband was in a spat with a Romanian... influential person let's say so this came around about the time when Serena played Halep that was another great match with Serena winning but um you know Alexis was just supporting his wife as you do that man had made some awful comments about Serena and people on Twitter were just I think it was born out of proportion you know Alexis is very active on Twitter and he says a lot of things not necessarily about Serena, but a whole bunch of things. Like he's got, he's a businessman. He does a lot. He's a very smart man. So he talks. He's very active on there, and I think, yeah, that's a lot. We'll just leave it at that. But anyway, that is all on the women's side. There's not a lot of drama on the women's side, which is kind of thankful. Or maybe I don't know the drama. But it was, it was good. I think this was a great way to start the year in terms of the first obviously there's room for improvement and we know there are a lot more tournaments happening and coming up um you know Roger Federer is coming back in March playing in Doha and Dubai so it's going to be exciting to see that go down and yeah it's going to be good hopefully there's no more player injuries no more scandals no more lockdowns no more quarantines let's just Fingers crossed for some amazing tennis this year and hopefully no more scandals. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I enjoyed recording it. It's so good to be back and watching tennis. I don't know about anyone else, but I I miss I definitely miss tennis a lot over lockdown. And recording and getting to talk to you guys and sharing my views and feels on all that is happening. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed your cuppa. I hope you guys enjoyed the tea and I'll catch you on the next one.